Good morning, church. Morning. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's Easter Sunday. Wow, wow, I can't wait to do this. And for those of us who are joining us online, so glad that you can join us on this beautiful morning. Let's get into it. Easter Sunday, what does it mean? Today we're going to turn to a passage of Scripture that we're going to unpack it and we're going to find out what Easter means to you and to me and what, that ha- what happened 2,000 years ago on the Easter Sunday. If you turn with me to your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 to 8. And I'll read it to all of us as you're finding it. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, the good news, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I receive, I pass on to you as of first importance. And what is that? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture, and that it appeared to Cephas, and then to the 12, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, and most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me, and that is Paul who's writing this, also as one abnormally born. Let's bow our heads in prayer for a little bit. Jesus, we want to thank you that you have risen from the grave. We want to thank you that on this day we get to celebrate not just your death for our sins, but that you rose from the grave and you were victorious over everything, including death. And today, God, as we hear your word, would you speak to us, light up the fire in our spirits once more as we hear the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, amen. Amen. And if you ask people, what do you think about Christians, you get many kinds of answers. One of the answers that I hear a lot is Christians are nice people, yeah? Christians are friendly. How many of you have had that experience as you walk into church today that you met people who are nice and friendly? Give me a hand if that's you and you had that experience. Wow, wow, what a church to be in. (laughs) Christians are nice people. That's fantastic. And, And thank you so much to our welcome team and our hospitality team members for making us feel so welcome. But then you have the other side. Christians are hypocrites. Christians say one thing and then they do another. You probably heard that before. And then you have Christians are narrow-minded, they're intolerant. You know, they they get so focused on on what they think is right that they can't see anything else beyond that. And it's it's no wonder, you know, there's so many different types of Christians. It's no wonder because, I mean, people's views are also different because there's so many different kinds of Christians. But despite all our differences, there is a 24-hour period of the the calendar where 2.4 billion Christians come together in their churches, in their homes to celebrate something. And it's Easter Sunday today. All around the world, Christians are celebrating Easter Sunday. What is it about Easter Sunday that is so special? What is it about Easter Sunday that makes it so important for all Christians all around the world? We're going to dive into that a little bit. Today's passage, Paul writes, he says that the events surrounding Easter, they are of first importance. 
first importance, and that is Christ died. He was buried, he was raised on the third day, and then he appeared and he appeared and he appeared. So today we're gonna unpack that and find out why is it so important to you and me. And one thing we need to know is this letter, this part of what Paul is saying, it was actually written 10 to 15 years before the very first story of Jesus was written in the Gospel of Mark. Before the people started telling about the story of Jesus, these words were already being passed around. This particular declaration that Paul is saying, that Christ died, that Christ was buried, that Christ was raised on the third day, and then he reappeared. This was how people understood the life of Jesus and what Jesus did. That's how important it is. It is like the Australian Citizenship Pledge. How many of you have taken that pledge before? I haven't taken it. Maybe my time will come soon. Hopefully sooner rather than later. It goes along the lines of, from this time forward, under God, I pledge my loyalty to Australia and its people, whose democratic beliefs I share, whose rights and liberties I respect, and whose laws I will uphold and obey. When you say that pledge, when you read that out and make the declaration, it is the pledge that makes an Aussie an Aussie. And in the same way, this declaration that Paul is saying is what makes a Christian a Christian. It's like the marriage vow between a husband and a wife. It is the marriage vow that makes a married couple a married couple. It is like the golfing outfit that you wear to the green when you're gonna play golf. I don't care if you're Tiger Woods or not. If you show up on the green and you're not wearing golfing outfit, you ain't no golfer. How many of you know what I mean? It is the golfing outfit that makes a golfer a golfer. It is like the oily rice in chicken rice, Hainanese chicken rice, you know what I mean? It's like the oily rice that makes chicken rice chicken rice. How many of you know that if you take a random bowl of white rice and you buy some Nando's chicken and you put them together, that ain't no chicken rice. That's chicken and rice. Real Hainanese chicken rice is oily rice. In the same way, it is this declaration that makes the Christian a Christian. What is it about this declaration that is so important? Now, if it sounds really important, that's because it really is important. Paul says it is of first importance. But why is it important? I'll tell you why. It's the essence of Christianity. It is the pillar of the gospel. Did you know, when you think about Christianity, when you think about what the big days of Christianity, many of us go automatically to Christmas Day. But did you know in the Bible, only two out of the four stories of Jesus, only two gospels talk about the day that Jesus was born. Only two. But when you talk about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you find it in all four gospels. All of them, why? Because it is the central truth of the gospel. It is what makes Christianity, Christianity. So today, brothers and sisters, what I wanna talk about is of first importance, that Christ died that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, and that he reappeared. Super important. So let's break it down into three parts today. Number one, Christ died. It says in verse three, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. It says Christ died. When you think about Christ dying on the cross, sometimes we think, oh, it's because of his love. Oh, it's because he came to redeem us. Oh, it's because he wanted to show the world that he is real, that he's good, that he's powerful, and he can overcome the cross. But of all the things that the Bible can say about why Jesus Christ died on the cross, it says he died for our sins. 
When you think about Easter weekend, what do you think about? Maybe you think about the Good Friday holiday and the Monday after, and you think, ooh, long weekend, let's go down south. Let's go for an overseas trip. I know some of you are joining us online from your overseas trip, trip, and I'm so happy that you can join us. But sometimes we think about things like that. If we, if we think about, oh, Jesus Christ died on Good Friday, and our minds fast forward, Jesus is risen, he's alive, and we come and make a big deal of it, and we celebrate, oh, we make songs about it, and we sing, and there's confetti as we're singing, lights are shining, and the smoke machines are all coming out, Jesus is alive. Jesus died, yeah, but let's not fast forward that too quickly to the res- resurrection. Let's stay in this moment where we think about Jesus Christ dying for our sins. Let me, let me show you what it is. Can I have that? Thanks, Aaron. What do I have here? Anyone knows? Domino's pizza, because you all know you've been eating it. <laughs> I ate it for the first time yesterday um, in a long time. And I have with me my favorite. This is legit. This is real. This, ain't, this is not plastic. I have with me real pepperoni pizza. Have you ever seen a child eat pizza? Anybody ever seen kids eat pizza? When you put the pizza in front of them, what do they do? Do they start picking on the crust and start eating the crust? Do they eat the cheese? What do they do? They start grabbing the pepperonis, don't they? They start eating the toppings. Mmm, this is so good. Mmm, oh, mom, dad, thank you for getting a pepperoni pizza. This is so good. They start eating the good parts first. They start eating the pepperonis and the toppings, and they don't eat the crust. You say, no, son, you got to eat all the crust. You got to eat everything. I tell you, my son teaches me spiritual lessons. <laughs> and what he does, what so many children do, is that they just eat the toppings. You know why? Because they know where the good parts are at. We go for the good part first, but the bad parts can wait. Isn't that true? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because you do that. You're like kids. <laughs> me too, sometimes. No, we laugh about kids having pizza and the way they eat pizza. But do you know we do exactly the same thing when it comes to Easter? When it comes to Easter, we can't wait to get past the bruised, battered, bloodied body of Jesus Christ on the cross. And we can't wait to just get to Sunday. We don't want to think about Jesus dying on the cross. And we just want to get to the place where Jesus is risen and the empty tomb. But brothers and sisters, the Bible is telling us that you can't get to the resurrection without going through the cross. You can't get to the victory without reckoning with your sin and understanding what is it that makes Jesus went up on the cross. Jesus didn't die on the cross to show that he was a great man. Jesus didn't die on the cross to show that the world, to show the world that God is real, not just that. Jesus didn't die on the cross to start a world religion. Jesus didn't die on the cross to change the world. The Bible says of all the things that Jesus died for, Jesus died for our sins. And what is sin? Let's start from the beginning. You see, when God made the world, when God made you and I, we were made to love Him and to live with Him forever. But because of sin, the presence of sin, it prevents us from loving God and living with Him forever. The Greek word for sin is hamatia. Ooh, pepperoni just came out. <laughs> the Greek word for sin is hamatia. Wow, pepperoni is good, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. 
And hamatia literally means to miss the mark. It's like taking an arrow and shooting the bullseye but never hitting the bullseye. It's like taking a gun, a rifle, and shooting the target but never hitting the target. It's like taking a football and kicking it and never hitting the goalpost. In fact, not even hitting the point post. Some of you know exactly what I mean. It happens all the time for you and for me. It's like that, missing the mark. Whatever we do, we're always missing the mark. There's this Greek philosopher called Aristotle who said that harmatia is like fatal flaw, a fatal flaw in heroes. Heroes has got all these good things about them, but then they all have this fatal flaw which makes them a tragic hero, and that's the cause of their downfall. It's like the Achilles heel. It's like Superman and his kryptonite. You see, if we could come to Jesus, if we could come to God through our good works, we would have. If we could, we would, but we can't, so we won't. So we all have to depend on Jesus to do it for us. And you see this sin thing repeat in our lives all day long. We get angry at our spouses, we scold our kids. In fact, on the world level, you see nations invading nations for what? Just because they feel like it and just because they're greedy for more. You see people going against people, you see domestic violence, you see assaults, you read about this all over the news. Why is it so? It's because we keep missing the mark. We keep doing wrong against God, against other people. And the Bible says that the wages of sin, the cost of sin is death. The price for our sins is actually our death. But we no longer need to pay the price today because Jesus died for our sins. He paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. And that's why Jesus went up to the cross. Let's let that sink in for a little bit. Let's not get to the resurrection too quickly. Isaiah 53 verse 5, it says this, but it was our sins that did that to him that ripped and tore and crushed him. And if you think that it's because of his love that brought him onto the cross, it wasn't just that, it was our sins. He took the punishment that made us whole and through his bruises, we now get healed. Wow, wow. And sometimes as a pastor, I get questions such as this. Good Christians would come up to me and say, Pastor, I want to love God more. How do I love Him more? And they might use different words, they might ask it differently, but a lot of times the question is the same. And sometimes they'll tell me, you know, I've been reading the Bible, I've been praying, I've been coming to church, I've been attending my connect group, I try to do good, I try to tell my friends about Jesus, I try to do, you know, be, be a good Christian around my workplace and my other students and my friends. But friends, that is the means to which we love God. That's the means of loving God. That's the way of loving God. That's not the cause of loving God. What is the cause of loving God? Jesus says this in Luke 7, 47. He talks about a woman who loved him so lavishly. He said, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. In other words, we can only love God to the degree that we understand just how much we are forgiven. If we think that we are forgiven a little bit because we're not too sinful, we're not too bad people, then you can only love God a little. But if we realize just how much He's forgiven us of all 
all our sins when he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, you cannot help but love him much. That's why it's so important that we understand how much he has paid for us. So why is this of first importance? Jesus died. It's because this, your past and my past is forgiven because Jesus died for my sins. Doesn't matter what your past is. Doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how we've walked in, but our past is already forgiven because Jesus died for our sins. The second thing is this, Jesus was buried and that he was raised. In Corinthians chapter four, it says this, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to scripture. What is the importance of Jesus being buried for three days? There are two simple ones and one not so simple one. We'll start with the simple one. Number one is because Jesus said so and it was so. Jesus said he will be buried and he will die and he will be resurrected in three days. In fact, 20 times, 20 times in the gospel, Jesus, while he was alive, he had already said it. This will happen to me, 20 times. And because Jesus said so, it was so. This is the ultimate, see, I told you so. (laughs) When he came back, he's like, see, I told you so. 20 times, I told you guys. And the second reason is because of this, is to show that Jesus was well and truly dead. It's not like kids, you know, sometimes where you see kids play. Have you seen kids play with guns and uh, with lightsabers? You know, pew, 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 and they play dead, or they take lightsabers, and then they play dead. It's not like that. Jesus is not playing dead. It's not like dogs where you tell them bang, bang, and then roll over and they play dead. Jesus wasn't even, he didn't even seem dead. He was dead for three days. It's not even resuscitable dead. I don't know if that's such a word. A resuscitable dead. Where you, where, you know, you take the 80, clear, and then you could bring Jesus back to life. No, he was dead. He was well and truly dead. Jesus was dead, dead. That's why Jesus waited for three days, or that's why he was dead for three days. These are the obvious ones. But there is something that many times when we read the Bible, we miss. Let me see if I can show you this. It is a divine, it is also a divine setup by God for what is to come. You see, before the time of Jesus, the word buried in the Old Testament, in the Bible, was mentioned about 100 times. About 100 times. And every single time when the word buried is mentioned in the Old Testament, it is always paired up with the idea that someone died. So Abraham died and he was buried. Sarah died and she was buried. Or they would use other words like rest with the ancestors. David rested with his ancestors and he was buried. About a hundred times, it's always paired with death, dying and being buried. But after the time of Jesus, since Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible still uses the word buried But every time when the Bible uses the word buried, it doesn't talk about dying, but is paired up with the word raised to new life. Ever since Jesus rose from the dead, the word buried is now no longer tied to our dying, but our being raised to new life. Let's read Romans chapter six. Verse four, 
We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, that we too may live a new life. And in Colossians it says this, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. In other words, before the time of Jesus, those without Jesus, when they die, they will remain forever dead and buried. But after the time of Jesus, those people who have Jesus, who receive Jesus into their life, when they die, they will not remain forever dead and buried, but instead will be raised to new life. Amen. How many of you believe that today? That's what the Word of God is telling us. And how do we receive Jesus into our life? By simply believing in Him. Jesus says in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And the one who lives by believing in me, when you live and when you believe in God, you will never die. <clears throat> never die. Pepperoni. <laughs> Why is it of first importance to me that Jesus was buried and that he was raised on the third day? It's because you and I my present is hopeful because Jesus is alive. It doesn't matter what my body is going through. It doesn't matter if I have COVID or not. It doesn't matter if my body is failing me. I'm getting old, I'm getting weak. It doesn't matter what happens to me in this life. My present situation, I am still full of hope because Jesus is alive. That is what it means. And that's why it is important. Amen. Amen. And that's the third thing. Now, now let's move to the third thing. It says Jesus appeared. So Jesus, was, Jesus died. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. And then Jesus appeared. In fact, it doesn't just say he appeared. It says he appeared and appeared and appeared and appeared and appeared. In verse 5 to 8, it says this, that Jesus, he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters all at the same time. And then most of all, most of all are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. What is the TLDR? What is the summary? What is the main point? Is that Jesus kept appearing and appearing. What is the importance of this? Here's why. Now, if one person saw Jesus appearing, after he died and resurrected. If one person said, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus the other day. You would think that he's hallucinating. You would think that he's, like, he's having some kind of psychosis. He's daydreaming. Some of us got friends who are like that, right? They're daydreaming all the time. Yeah, I saw this. Yeah. This, if this is just one guy, you could say that about him. Now, if it was just a few people, maybe a handful of people, they come together after Jesus died and said, hey, let's go around the city and tell everyone that Jesus is alive. How about that, you and I? We're, this is our story, just so that we are consistent. Yeah, okay, come, a few of us. This is what happens. We're gonna tell everyone that Jesus is alive and he rose from the dead this morning. Let's do that. Now, if it was just a few people, you would say that they could be lying, that there was, it was fake news, that they were spreading fake news, if it was just a handful of people. But here the Bible is saying, now nah, it's not even a few people. It is 500 people all at the same time. 
all at the same time. It's just like hundreds of us today. You're looking at me, and I am real. You're witnessing me. You're looking at me. You know that I am alive. You know that I'm real. 500 of them saw Jesus at the same time. It is reality. Jesus rose from the dead, and he's alive. He's as real as I am as I'm standing before you. That is what it means. And Paul is saying he's so confident, so convicted of the fact that he basically tells the people that he's writing to, you don't believe me? Don't take my word for it. Go and check with them. They're still alive. Go and check with them. Go and talk to them. They will tell you exactly what we all saw, what we all encountered. And for those of us who are here in FCC for the first time today, today someone invited you. Somebody brought you into the service. And the reason why they brought you into this service is because they encountered Jesus. It's because God is as real to them as He is to so many of us. And our desire is that He will become real to you as well. Jesus is alive. So friends, you and I can take this to the bank today. That Jesus rose from the dead. That Jesus left behind an empty tomb. That Jesus is well and alive. That Jesus is risen. And he has victory over the grave, over death, and over everything that we could possibly encounter in this life. Jesus is alive. Somebody say amen. Amen. And if you believe it, if you believe it, then this message is for you. That God is alive. But before we close, let me quickly run through the last bit. Let me close with this. I want you to catch this. Notice the names of the people that Paul put into the list. He says a few of them. And these are the names of people who encountered the risen Jesus. And I want you to catch this. I want to quickly go through four of them. Number one, Cephas, better known as the Apostle Paul. What happened to him before he encountered Jesus? When Jesus was about to die, he basically became so fearful and so gripped that he threw his master Jesus under the bus three times. I don't know this Jesus. I don't know him. And he swear, and he rained down curses on Jesus. I don't know, I swear, I don't know this guy. He was so fearful. But when he encountered the risen Jesus, he changed into a powerful leader of the church. In fact, today, if you go to the Vatican City, you will find that there is a church called St. Peter's Basilica that was built in commemoration of him. He's said to be buried underneath that church. He went as far as Rome in order to preach the gospel. How about the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ? They were Jesus' closest friends in the time where he was alive. And they had to watch him die. They experienced one of the deepest, greatest pain that anyone could possibly go through, which to see someone you love so much die in front of your eyes. But when they encountered the risen Jesus, When they saw Jesus, they were changed, no longer into painful people, but they were filled with hope. They know that God is alive. And they went all around the world and literally changed the world by what they did. And today there's so many ways that we remember them. You know, in Victoria State, for instance, we have a limestone formation called the 12 Apostles in order to remember these apostles. How about James, the brother of Jesus? James, when Jesus was alive, he was one of the greatest skeptics of Jesus. In fact, he went up to Jesus one time in John and he says, you must be kidding, Jesus. Don't do this. 
Who are you? Who do you think you are, Jesus, brother? You, 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 you're not the son of God. He was so doubting and so doubtful and one of the greatest skeptics of Jesus. But when he encountered Jesus, he was changed, no longer to be that doubtful person, but he became so faith-filled and so faithful that he was one of the greatest leaders of the church. He was so respected among Christians and non-Christians alike that non-Christians would call him James the Just. That's who he is. How about the last guy, Paul, the writer himself? Paul was a murderous, hateful, anti-Christian. He was so full of sin. He, the Bible records stories where he literally masterminded many Christians' death. But after he encountered the risen Jesus, he changed because he found his purpose in life. He found that God had given him a direction and a new lease of life. And guess what? This, became one of the, this guy became one of the greatest influences in the history of the church. In fact, one-third of our New Testament in the Bible is written by Paul. Isn't that amazing? So what is the Bible telling us when it's giving us the names here? Don't miss this. Friends, the Bible is telling us that when we encounter the risen Jesus, our lives will be forever changed. Amen. Let me close with the story. A few years ago, I was pastoring this young man who became a Christian in his early 20s. He was in his early 20s when he finally received Christ. But before he became a Christian, his life was a little bit in shambles. Because what happened is he's uneducated. He had no proper education. He had no stable job because of his lack of education. And because of something he did with his girlfriend, he became an early father. He became a father at an early life, an early stage in his life. And they weren't married. So he was going through a lot in his life, all at the same time. And there's one more thing. He was tormented by evil spirits. He had this, what the Chinese sometimes call the third eye, you know, is a, a superstitious thing, where he's able to see and encounter evil spirits. Sometimes he will see evil spirits coming up to him and tormenting him, teasing him. Sometimes even during the day, he will see shadows around him. They will keep him awake at night and they will torment him throughout the day. There was no peace, there was no rest in his life. But then a few months before Easter Sunday, one day, one of his Christian friends went up to him and told him about Jesus. And he decided on that day to give Jesus a go. He decided to receive Jesus. He didn't know much about it, but he received Jesus into his life and put his faith in this Jesus that he just heard about. And on the very night, on the very first night when he received Jesus, he went back home and he started to pray in his broken Cantonese. He started praying. And then he encountered and he experienced what he called the greatest sense of peace and comfort in his life. And at night, as you would expect, the evil spirit started to come back. The evil, started, the evil spirit started to torment him and to keep him awake at night. And then he remembered the name of Jesus. And then he prayed in his broken Cantonese once again, in the name of Jesus, be gone. In the name of Jesus, go away. And for the first time in his life, he was able to command the evil spirits to get out of his life. And they did. And he had, for the first time in many years, a peaceful night's rest. It was only a few days later that he came to church and I met him for the first time. And we sat down one afternoon and we had this wonderful time where he was telling me all about his story. 
And this young man, he had this incredible joy on his face as he was telling me about how real God is in his life. You see, God was already changing things in his life. God was already restoring his marriage with his wife and with his little baby. God was working in his workplace to give him favor and now he's found a new purpose to go to work. In fact, he went to work and he started telling people about Jesus. He started telling his boss about Jesus. His boss was pretty close, that close to coming to church one time. I remember him telling me this. And then God gave him a new lease of life. In fact, God was setting him up for a possible promotion during that time. And he was telling me about all these things and how God is so real in his life. And then we decided to line him up for Easter Sunday baptism. So we have baptism on Easter Sunday. I remember on that day, we had 30 brothers and sisters being baptized, more than 30 being baptized. But this young man, I will never forget, he had this smile on his face from the beginning of the service to the very end of the service. I baptized hundreds of people in my life, but I will never forget this young man. You see, my normal routine when I get into the pool and I invite people into the water, some of you might know because you were in the pool with me, and I will invite them into the water and I'll ask them three questions, simple questions. Do you believe in Jesus? And then they will say yes. Will you follow Jesus? And they will say yes. Will you follow Jesus all of your life, never turning back? And they will say yes. And then I will say, it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I'll put them into the water, buried with Christ in death, and raised to new life. And then I'll clap and I'll hug and I'll celebrate with them. This young man, this is literally what happened. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Yes! He was shouting at the top of his lungs because he really believed it. And I shocked for a little bit and then I asked him, will you follow Jesus? Yes! And he followed Jesus. That is the decision he made in his life. And I asked him one last time, will you follow him all the days of your life, never turning away as you would expect? Yes! And I'll say, it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Baptized with Christ in death and raised to new life. And the moment he came out of the water, he had this beam on his face. His hands thrusted into the air like he just won the Olympics. And he's like, yeah! And then he was high-fiving me and he was hugging me, almost kissed me, but we didn't. And then we were hugging each other like, brother, I'm so happy for you. He said, pastor, thank you, thank you for baptizing me with tears in his eyes. And it's because he knows God is so real in his life. He encountered the risen Jesus and his life was forever changed. That can be your story. That can be our story. With every eyes closed right now. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel. This is the great news of Jesus Christ. This is the best news of Easter Sunday. And I don't want any of us to walk away without having the opportunity to receive Jesus into your life, receiving this good news of what God has done for you how he has died on the cross, how he was buried, and then he rose from the dead, and then he appeared, and you too can encounter him today and allow your life to be changed by him. Friends, if you've never received Jesus, if you've never prayed to receive Jesus, receiving Jesus is super easy. All you have to do is to put your faith and believe in him. 
and I'll lead you in a simple prayer. And that makes you a Christian. That allows you to receive Jesus. So I want to lead you in a prayer. But before we do so, I want to know, I hope to know who I'm praying for. So if that's you, friends, I want you to raise your hands in just a little bit. All right? And if God is tugging your heart, you're making the decision today, I want to let you sit in it for a little bit. I want to talk also to my Christian friends. Friends who might have received Jesus for many, many years ago. Paul says that the things that we heard today is of first importance. What does that mean? That means it should be number one in our lives. But some of us have allowed this to become second place in our lives. In fact, maybe for some of us, we allowed it to be third place in our life. We allow something or someone to become of first importance in our life. No longer the gospel of Jesus Christ. No longer Jesus Christ himself. And if you've left the faith or you've not attended church for a long time, if you've allowed money, career, your partner, your house, your pursuit of your dreams, your freedom, the comfort of life to become of first importance to you, I want you to join us in this prayer as you accept Jesus into your life one more time. I want it to be as real for you today as it is for the rest of us. So I want you to raise your hands as well, as every hand is raised in this place. Okay, every eyes closed right now. If you're receiving Jesus for the very first time, or if you want to come back to put God first in your life, at the count of three, I want you to just raise your hands. Keep your eyes closed and keep your hands up. One, two, three. Would you raise your hands if that's you so I can see? I can see your hand. Keep your hands up on the left side of the auditorium. Keep your hands up. I see that. Keep your hands up. Thank you, Auntie. Keep your hands up so I know who I'm praying for. Keep your hands high up so I can see who I'm praying for. If you're receiving Jesus for the first time and you would like to receive him into your life, or if you're receiving Jesus back in your life, I see the hands at the back. I see the hand at the back. I see the hand. Jesus is speaking. Jesus is tugging at our hearts today. And that's you. Soak in it for a moment. Allow Jesus to speak to you. Keep your hands up. All right, you can put your hands down. Friends, I want to lead you in a prayer. And church, would you pray with us? Say with me as I pray. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. I know right now that you died for my sins and you were buried and you rose to new life and now you are alive. I invite you into my life so that I can be forever changed. Teach me what it means to follow you. Teach me how to live in the victory that you have given me. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, amen. Would you give a big hand for our friends who received Jesus for the first time today?